0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the MBSP, the most valuable sports podcast. My name is Brandon Wirth. I'm joined always by my co-host, co-star, Joe Nagy. What is happening?
1: It's a great day to be in the studio, Brandon.
0: Indeed it is. And we have another special guest. We know you guys really liked having Isaac on. We have found another guest for you. His name's Johnny Yonker. Johnny, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Good. It's been a great day. Um, you guys might know Johnny from our fantasy league, which we will talk about later on. We don't have to mention who's doing better. We'll mention (laughs) that later. But anyway, um, let's do an interview. Is that good? Yeah. How about it? Let's start it up. So, Johnny, tell us about yourself and your your sports background. What got you into sports?
2: Yeah, uh, I've been playing sports all my life. Um, high school, three sport athlete, played tennis, basketball, baseball, um, and then eventually I signed to play baseball at Taylor University
0: in Indiana.
2: So, played two years there, and then transferred to Ferris this past year.
0: Yeah. So, and um, Johnny, uh, we're f- I know I'm familiar with you, obviously being playing against you for Big Rapids and with you for Quad City. And I know Joe is from Tri-County, so you might have run into him on the baseball field. Johnny was a pretty good pitcher. Um, I would think you were. I think, were you pitcher of the year? senior year in the conference yeah yeah i think senior
2: so year i was conference player of the year and then i got all state as well
0: yes yeah, dude you guys don't face this guy he's this the, guy the real gets, deal he's, got the, he's <laughs> the real deal one of the my favorite pitchers to go against just because it was such a challenge because i mean no offense to hunter but everything <laughs> but you guys had to have completely different stuff so oh yeah but it was definitely fun playing with you but what was life like at taylor as you went down there
2: it was a lot of fun um it definitely wasn't what i expected coming off the bat um playing playing baseball at a competitive college level uh it's a whole different ball game than high school ball mm-hmm. so uh you you go from obviously the big fish in a little pond when you go to big rapids and playing the csaa gold yep and then you go down there and then i mean every guy was all state yep. every guy was the best player on their team and in their conference so uh just adjusting to that and developing like more pitches like i developed my change up a lot better mm-hmm. in college so um yeah just developing more pitches really helped me out so yeah it was a fun time i miss what, it what brought you to taylor um taylor was really the best school baseball wise that was recruiting me i was also talking to like cornerstone mm-hmm. um trying university and uh, taylor just had the best program overall and i felt like i really clicked there when i went and visited so awesome. that was ultimately where i decided to go
0: mm-hmm. yeah i've i know my i actually had a family member that played football at taylor he really enjoyed it um he, had, he went on to have a successful football coach career, still is at Saginaw Valley. Um, shout out to Jeremy if he's listening. But um, Taylor's a great school. I, I've been down there. It's a really nice area. But um, what was life being like as what we would call a PO because you obviously <laughs> were only a pitcher, didn't have to worry about swinging the sticks in college. But how was that like?
2: It was a lot of fun, man. I mean, you do your bullpen work and you do like your plyo ball stuff, it takes 15 minutes. Then for like the rest of like an hour practice, you just mess around with your teammates, make fun of the hitters and pretend to do stretches and stuff in front of the coaches when they walk in but uh yeah it was a lot of fun um I definitely missed hitting like right off the bat but after I saw like what the hitters went through at practice like they would hit for almost like two and a half hours every day Mm -hmm. so I mean I was glad I wasn't doing that pitching was always been my um like heart and soul for baseball so I really enjoyed just being a PO and hanging out with the other guys in the pen and just messing around
0: yeah i i really enjoyed pitching in high school probably more than hitting because i feel like hitting was more mentally frustrating i guess you could say because it's a really hard thing to really master it's a craft that really takes time to really shape out how you you swing your bat how you have all of your mechanics go together i mean hitting's a hard thing to do we've talked about it on the show plenty of times Harding a, hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do like in sports all of sports in general so but i mean it, it sounds like being a PO is a pretty fun time from what I'm hearing. Sounds from like a, lot a good life. Buddies. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. For sure. But um, obviously, you had your season. Um, talking about it on the way up here, you had a good season going with Taylor through the first seven games. And then obviously, everybody remembers the day everything was shut down due to COVID. How did you guys take that as far as a team and you personally?
2: Yeah, it was tough. Um, like I said, we were at practice, and uh, our coach got the call, and he just called us in. And he said, "Hey guys, season's over. Pack up your stuff and head home. We're probably gonna go home as a school like next week. So it, it kind of just took us all by surprise. Cause wow. I mean, you don't expect it. And we had seven seniors who were all conference players at some point in their career. And to lose, well, two of them ended up coming back, but we lost five of them. It was really tough to to lose those guys. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a sad day. That's for sure."
1: And especially before COVID, um, how was it at Taylor kind of balancing class, kind of a social life and sports as well? Because, I mean, I know you said hitters would hit for two and a half hours and, like, just having practice and then going to class and stuff. Was it kind of easy to manage that and have a social life as well? It wasn't
2: really easy, I'd say. Um, I mean, like, our, our dining commons closed at, like, 7 o'clock, and we'd have evening practices. So, usually... We would have to go to anywhere else besides the dining commons because it'd be closed. Mm-hmm. So and you only have like a, a limited amount of meal swipes at the other mm-hmm. um location at the university center. So um it kinda sucked at some times. Especially when like we would travel to Ball State and to uh, other like schools around to scrimmage and we'd get back at like midnight <laughs> and then you'd have an eight AM the next day. tough. That was brutal. But um yeah, it was it was definitely a lot tougher than I expected it to be coming Mm -hmm. out of high school because I mean high school you have to go to class and you have to do all this stuff at college it's just like there's no one being there to be accountable for you Mm -hmm. but with with sports there is that accountability because you have teammates who are counting on you Mm -hmm. to keep your grades up so you can play coaches who are expecting you to do well in class and at practice so
0: yeah absolutely I mean I've experienced it over like it's a it's a it's a different ball game and in high school they really try to prepare you the best they can but realistically I mean, being in a high school environment, you're confined to a building. You know what building you have to be. And if you're not there, people are going to wonder why. But then when you go to college, it's like, oh, if you're not at class, it's like, okay, I mean it's it's your loss really it's your decision if you want to go to class and a lot of teachers understand that Where like you're adult you're an adult you can make your own decisions it's your choice to go to class and it's definitely a different ball game especially being an athlete like I know there's been times where I've been up late and finishing assignments and have a 6 a.m weight room the next day and it's 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 tough but when you get over those days and get everything done it's really it really is fulfilling but uh, how are you liking Ferris so far as you said you transferred um how's it like being a bulldog
2: it's not bad man um I I got into the um, education program here, Mm -hmm. and uh, at Taylor I was in sports management. I Mm -hmm. wanted to be in the education program, but they had some um, SAT requirement stuff that I didn't meet, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get into the program, but yeah, joining the education program has been a lot of fun here at Taylor, or Mm -hmm. at Ferris. I've really enjoyed it, (laughs) as opposed to Taylor. Um, But yeah, I mean, all my classes are online, and I was homeschooled all the way up until high school, so it's just like being homeschooled again, Mm -hmm. just hanging out at home, doing my studies.
0: Yeah. I I feel that, I mean, it's, it's being online is a different, it's a different, I I don't know if I'm really made for being online because I'm much more of a visual (laughs) learner. So, I mean, it's tough. And the people that do that, shout out to you, especially with the accountability thing. I mean, when you got classes, you have to be you have to be attentive you have to have a schedule put up you got to be committing to that schedule and getting your stuff done so it's definitely hard but that is great i've heard a lot of good things about the education program a lot i actually a couple of my teammates are in the education program themselves and they're doing very really well so really excited and we hope you've nothing but the best yeah thanks but as now we we move more into the the nitty and gritty of our our episode as johnny was on here it's only fitting we talk about major league baseball <sighs> we haven't talked a lot about major league baseball here on the show but there's been a lot of going on here and a lot of playoff baseball. We probably should have covered that more. We apologize for that. But, you know, it's okay. We're going to make no it up now. But last night, guys, I know we've all reacted to this already. The Dodgers put up 11 runs in one inning. Dodgers came to hit. Not just one inning. The very first inning. It was 11 to nothing going into the bottom of the first inning. If you're the Braves, that's rough. <laughs> Trying to get down 11 runs. But I mean, they end up going on to win th- uh, 15 to 3 totaled 16 hits like i i mean i just watched the the first inning and it was just like once it started rolling it was like you you didn't know when it was going to stop
2: well that's the big thing about baseball is hitting is so contagious Mm -hmm. so once guys start getting base hits i mean they scored three runs in the first two or no sorry two runs in the first three pitches of the game so um once you once you start seeing your teammates be successful then you start having that mindset when you're coming up to bat man i'm gonna see a good pitch to hit i need to be ready Need to be locked in to do some damage, and the Dodgers definitely came out last night and and did that.
1: And especially with kind of like having that big fire of having that hitting going on, like especially for the defense, it's so tough because when you see, especially for pitchers, like no matter what you throw, they're they're tagging it up and they're squaring it up and they're going to be able to get hits, and that kind of throws a wrench in it because you're ready to go out there and dominate, and then when you see that your best stuff is basically being hit all over the place, then it kind of just gives you the point where, like, okay, like, what can I do that is going to have success because everything that I'm trying isn't working?
0: Yeah, I mean, looking back at game one, the Dodgers only put up one run. And then, then game two, they they just barely lose out to the Braves, both teams with 10 hits in that game. And the fact that the Dodgers just were – it sounded like they were just sick of losing. They just wanted to put, put the foot to the gas pedal, and they just took it on in the first inning, and that really helped them – Win game three and really get a hold of the series because, I mean, if the Braves go up 3 0, that changes the whole dynamic of the series. So that was huge. And um, obviously, um, everybody's favorite, Clayton Kershaw, is going to be on the mound tonight. So it's going to be really exciting to see if he can pull it back. I know Joe has a lot of good feelings about Kershaw. Um, Obviously, you believe he's one of the better playoff pitchers we've had. Okay.
1: We've had this. Okay. We had the conversation off air a lot with Travis where he said that. Kershaw is not a good per pitcher because his postseason ERA is like upwards like what like what was it like four or five something mm-hmm.
0: like that. I mean it's it's up there compared to his regular season. For the sure. the thing
1: is, I'll say it one more time because I've said it enough. When you have people that know what pitches are coming and can get eight runs off you, that ERA is going to go up no matter what, and that outlier is going to make it so that your good ERA goes up by like two or three runs. It doesn't matter. If you have like four more games after that where you give up like maybe one or less runs, it's still gonna be up there. Clayton Kershaw is one is the best pit. He's the best pitcher probably of our generation right now, and he knows how to get it done. Give him an opportunity where people don't know what's coming and they're not cheating. He'll be able to he'll be able to obviously dominate. But when the Astros, <laughs> will get to them in a second, know what's coming and they know that his dirtiest curveball of all time is coming. Obviously, they're gonna be able to hit it.
2: Well, and see, the thing is, when you look at postseason stats, you're playing the best of the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're playing in the regular season, I mean, he probably has at least two or three starts against like the Diamondbacks yeah. and against mm-hmm. even the Rockies at some point um, throughout the season. So, I mean, when you're playing those teams, you can carve them up. When you're Clayton Kershaw, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing the Padres, great hitting team. When you're playing, like, even the Giants had a good good lineup this season. When you're playing those teams, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put the ball in play, yeah, and they're gonna score runs and they're gonna grind at bats. So, I mean, you can expect your ERA to be higher when you're pitching in the yeah, postseason. Bit, yeah. And you should, I mean, as fans, we shouldn't be able to um, look at that and criticize him for that because he's he's playing the best of the best. Like yeah. These guys are there for a reason.
0: Yeah, I feel like, and the one thing I really thought of like last year is they were talking about he keeps losing games, he keeps losing games. I mean, we've seen it so many times in the last three, four years. The Dodgers on paper should be a team that go to the World Series plenty of those times. There were people that were picking them to go there because on paper they have one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. But the fact is, is every year they run into a tough team. They have a tough series. Nothing goes their way. And that's baseball. They end up losing the series. I mean, there's games where, like Kershaw, he might have a little bit of struggling day, gives up four runs. And when you have a team that struggles swinging the bat, like game one, they only put up one run. It happens. Like those games can be detrimental to your ERA and they can be detrimental to your stats, even though really you had a good outing. It's just the other side of your team didn't perform as well. But, I mean, I mean, last seven games he's been 4-1, and one, 196 ERA, under one whip. That's pretty solid, I would say, for a guy like Clayton Kershaw. And those are the things you expect. It's just I feel like tonight he's going to really show up. I think the Dodgers will win this game and tie the series up. But, I mean, as far as the whole rest of the series go, I'm not counting the Braves out yet because I really love what they're doing. I, their young talent is absolutely phenomenal to watch with Albies and Acuna. Really excited to see how this series ends out.
2: It's been nice to see the Braves be successful. Yes. Especially for guys like Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. and um, that deserve that, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that signing of Marcelo Zuna was big, too. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's been clutch this postseason for them. Yes,
0: him. he's been huge. And, um, I mean, obviously, he's been a, a bomber ever since he entered the league when he was with the Cardinals and we were with the Marlins. He's always been a guy that's hit bombs, and he's been exciting to watch. But on the other side, yes, Joe, we can finally get to the Astros. Um, They actually survived last night they got their first win of the series now down 3-1 they just barely squeaked out almost almost lost it again in the eighth eighth and ninth inning i don't know what it is the astros they got to close the deal and they really have not done that it seems like in the last like half of the season they've been the league worst actually in holding leads in the eighth and ninth inning i don't know what it is dusty baker needs to figure it out but they got through it tonight or last night and they won four to three Is that still going to be enough for them, or is this series a wrap? And it's just, we're just waiting for it to happen. What game before the Rays are going to be in the World
1: Series? I think next game, it's going to be a four game series because the Rays are hot. They're a really good young team right now. And especially with just, I mean, the stigma right now going around the Astros is tough to fight against just like how many people are against you. Just having that kind of all those eyes on you, hoping for you to fail. I mean, sometimes that might fuel people, sometimes that might make people want to play better. But, I you mean, know, when it comes down to it, that's one of the greatest... If you can do that, that's you're one of the greatest minds in sports.
2: I think the best thing for the Astros last night was Zach Grenke. Mm-hmm. Zach Grenke hasn't had a postseason win since, like, 2016 when he was with the Dodgers. Yep. And uh, he was huge for that last night. Um, I was watching the game, and in the last inning, they brought in Presley, the closer. Yep. And I saw that he blew four saves in the regular season, just in 60 games. Yep. And... Um, yeah, he came in and Willie Adamas hit one that I thought was I thought I, it was I, gone. I,
0: I know which one you're talking about and that I was, was that was close. I was
2: so excited. I thought I thought it was going out. It stood up, started jumping. I was like, get out of here, get out of here. But sure enough, it was off the wall. So um I mean the Rays are some dogs. Mm. They are some dogs, especially their lineup. They grind at bats and I think I think it's
1: over after this game. Remember tonight. when uh, Willie Adamas was on the White Caps?
0: Mm-hmm. What uh, what times, man? Yeah. Hey, but we just got imagine. David Price. So. That is true. Yep, that is true. I mean, the Rays, to me, like, I want them there. They've been so good this year. They've put together such a great season. And literally, all everybody it just seems like it's like we talk about the top teams in Major League Baseball. It's the Astros. It's the Yankees. It's the Dodgers. The Rays have not gotten that much respect, for, especially for what their front office has done and their coaching staff has done. This team, I mean, on paper, like, you're looking at their cap and how much salary this team has. They are not the top-paying team in Major League Baseball. Not even close. Like, the Yankees have, like, three to four guys that have the salary of their entire t- roster. But look where they are right now, past the Yankees. And that, to me, is so... I love seeing, like, these small market teams just blowing it up and showing that these this team chemistry can really pull out in the end that you don't just need to buy the big players. And I would really, I'd really enjoy seeing a Rays Braves season. But if the Astros do come on and win it and play the play the Dodgers, I mean, it's it's set up for the Dodgers to do some damage after what they've went through. So, I mean, it, it could be exciting.
2: I'm glad you brought up the Rays coaching staff because mm-hmm. I think Kevin Cash is the best manager in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. He really is using what he has from the Rays limited budget, using what he has positioning guys with analytics defensively. Positioning his lineup right, using openers, the dude is like changing the game as we see it. Um, I think he is definitely manager of the year for the season.
1: It reminds me of Moneyball, really. Just oh my having gosh! Those, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Billy like, Beam, the, the lower tier guys that you know, like weren't really making too much noise on their own, but when you put them together, like you said, Brandon, that team camaraderie and chemistry goes so far, mm-hmm. especially when you just are in those nitty-gritty moments in a game where you need a big hit and you have your whole team behind you and everyone believes in you, that just does so many things. It can get you out of a slump. It can get you out of anything. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think the thing the thing um, that I can think of when you say that is um, Game 5 for the ALDS against the Yankees Yeah. when uh, I forget what his name is, Bruce Broussard or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the dude's name. And, I mean, he, he came up with the biggest hit of the season for the race against Chapman, mm-hmm. who is a stud. Yep. And he always has been. So, um, yeah, it's just everyone throughout their lineup can do damage at any time. And Kevin Cash knows when to put those guys into situations where they will succeed and do the best that they can for the team.
0: Yeah, and I would even say Kevin Cash would be equivalent to the Nick Nurse of like the NBA. He's the guy that he's going to put he's put together such an amazing team. Not a lot of money being spent out, a lot of analytics done. He's the guy that's put the best lineup together, the best team together, the chemistry to take a team far. And it's really exciting to see that because I mean, I I personally just hate how much that money has a factor in how team how good your team is because I think that's all that's pretty much a load of garbage because I feel like you we've seen so many good teams and it's even like I mean, every year it's it's like you don't just put a list together of the top salary teams and say, oh, there's a top eight. All right, they're going to go to the postseason. I think that's just garbage. I feel like that team chemistry has a lot to do with it. The guys you have in a locker room do have a big influence. Your coaching staff, big influence. Those things come into play, and it's really showing with the race. So I'm really hoping the race can get there. I mean, I know the Tigers have traded a lot of prospects there, so it makes sense that they would end up winning a championship elsewhere, it happens. But we're, we're just going to live that on as Tigers fans forever, and we'll just... It, it'll We'll have our day one day. That's like I said, we'll have our day one day. May not be today. May not be this year. But we'll have our day eventually. And I can't wait for that day to happen.
1: You're going to make me cry, Brandon, when I think back at that time. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Dude, I got the flashback of um, Maglio. Hitting it out oh, to send us to oh the World touch. Series. Yeah. I'm like, I got oh, goosebumps oh when no. Now. I know. <laughs> even when I was watching that, just
1: Maglio was probably one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah, he was like top three. He was such
0: a fun guy to have on the team, man. He was that, that team was such a fun team to have. The team was so good. How did we not?
2: Pretty much any roster from like 2006 to 2016 mm-hmm. was just solid. Yep. But we just couldn't get it over I the top. We couldn't even get it over the It's Series. the story
0: of Detroit. Just we'll get there. Let's get over the hump. That's the hard part. Huh? Yeah. Before we start just getting all day. depressed talking about <laughs> the tigers, <laughs> let's move over to Oh, actually that's that's even worse. Well we'll not talk about the Lions just yet. We'll we'll get a little happy before we get there. <laughs> but um going into the NFL week five, um had, we had a Tuesday night game. Yep. Tuesday night that actually did happen. We never thought we would ever say that. We had a Tuesday night NFL football game. Uh, between the the Bills and the Titans, and I'll, I'll admit, I picked the Bills in this game, and boy, I was wrong. Titans came out. Dude. They came out to play, and it was th- surprising. Yeah, this Titans team is looking so good this year, and I know, like, kudos to them because I know we talked about it a lot with Mike's on Friday that this team has gone through so much outside of everything that's going on on the football field. Like they're put once it's like the classic scenario in sports where it's like. You get When you get on the field, you get away what's going on on the outside. It's really showing for them because, I mean, they're 4-0. They've had to deal with COVID stuff. They've had to deal with, like, some coaching issues, and they have really figured it out. I mean, they didn't just beat the Bills. They blew them out, 42-16. to It wasn't even close. And if you're the Bills, I mean, Josh Allen was really banged up in this game, didn't have a great game. Bills' defense was not playing to their, their their potential I should say they definitely have better defense than what they showed on Tuesday but I mean overall does this does this mean that Tennessee should be the team to watch in the AFC South Uh
2: yeah I think so I think uh the whole reason Tennessee is the team they are today is solely because of Derrick Henry Yep Derrick Henry is a truck mm-hmm. with I mean that that hit he had on Josh Norman, that stiff arm. <laughs> oh my god! That got man. me up out of my Dude, seat. He just yeah. stuck him. Um, he's he's my main reason I'm dominating our fantasy league. is yep. Because of Derrick Henry. Yeah. Dude is just consistent.
0: I know he's been amazing. Derrick Henry actually tied Eddie George for the the third most rushing touchdowns in a player's first five seasons in fr- franchise history. That's how good Derrick Henry's been. And I mean, side note, Josh Norman. He talks up a talk, but boy, he gets put on the bad side of some bad plays. I mean, that that Henry, that Henry stiff arm, and then he was also in the like the altercation with um Cam when he pretty much got shoved to the ground on in training camp. I mean, Josh Norman, he needs to. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he might talk a little bit too much, but boy, he gets put in his place for a bit. Might quick. need to back up a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, shout out to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a guy that we don't expect to be like the the best quarterback in the nfl at one point but i mean right now the way he's playing so efficiently he's up there i mean 195 three touchdowns but i mean yeah he didn't put up 200 yards we understand that i mean he's 21 of 28 he's being efficient because he has derrick henry he has the running game where he doesn't have to throw the ball 61 times like joe burrow does he doesn't have (laughs) to do that they can be efficient and still win ball games and that's and their defense really showed that they can be a good team i mean they forced Josh Allen into two picks they actually had Matt Barkley playing at one point because Josh Allen was just so banged up they had to get him off the field before he was off on a stretcher so I mean that defense was really fantastic
2: yeah I think uh Ryan Tannehill is the best fit for Tennessee Mm -hmm. out of like any quarterbacks they could have Mm -hmm. um I think I think he was definitely the man and he was just a great signing for them
0: yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Well, especially being too, just I mean, we see that anytime where there's a strong running back presence on a team, that you have a quarterback that can have longevity because mm-hmm. you're not the main focus of that of that defense anymore. Mm-hmm. And especially having Derrick Henry, and I mean when uh, when I think it was Ingram was on the Saints, that kind of took a lot of yep. pressure off mm-hmm. Drew Brees. And I mean, when you have that, you can have a quarterback that is a lot more comfortable because he's not getting rushed so much, and that's when he can make a lot more completions and he can be more efficient because then he doesn't have to worry about those 260-pound guys coming at him trying to rush him when you have a good uh, running back who can just split through them and take the pressure out of you.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the Bills really, like the running game, it was it was pretty poor, I would say, on Tuesday. Pretty lackluster. I mean, Devin Singletary has really been a hit-or-miss guy. I mean, he had 25 yards on 11 carries on Tuesday. 2.3 average yards per carry, that's that's not that's not going to get it done for Buffalo, especially for how well their offense has been playing. I mean, TJ Yeldon was out carrying him. He had 52 yards on seven carries. That was pretty good, and he's pretty much the third string back because Zach Moss did not play due to his toe. But, I mean, there was a report out this morning. Um, if you guys didn't hear, Le'Veon Bell is now longer New York Jet. He's now a been released. He's a free agent, and he named his three teams that he would go to. One of them was Snowy Buffalo. He said he would go play for the Bills. Is that a move that McDermott should make?
2: Honestly, I don't think so. I I think Le'Veon Bell wouldn't really fit in with the Bills just because they rely so much on on Josh Allen in the passing game. Um, I think I think he'd best fit in like a Miami. We talked about. I think mm-hmm. Miami would be the best place for Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. where he would be the guy to take take the pressure off Ryan Fitzpatrick. Off 2-0, hopefully. Yep, hopefully, 2-0 will get on the field mm-hmm. soon. Um, but I think I think Miami's the best fit for him.
0: Yeah. And the two other teams that were mentioned was Miami. And then the other one, of course. Who wouldn't want to play for the Kansas City Chiefs? <sighs> I he just s- wants a ring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would. I don't want to see him go to Kansas City. The one reason is why is, I mean, he's not going to play for you know, the most part. I, honestly, I mean,
1: he can get millions I, just sitting on the bench and get a free ring out of it. So
0: I mean, yeah, if he wants to do that, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, with... C E H with Daryl Williams. How much he's going to really contribute in that offense is going to be. No, it's going to be another. Be to it's going to be going to be yeah. another LaShawn McCoy type thing where he's going to play maybe a couple games and have a minor role in a couple games and maybe blow out one or two games and it's really not going to be that much. I mean, I think Miami is the best place for him because I think the running back situation is pretty spotty. I mean, they've tried um, Jordan Howard really turned into a goal line only guy. I think the guy has literally if I count right maybe less than 12 or 20 carries and I believe he has like six touchdowns I mean he's only gotten the ball in the red zone like it's like all right we're on the four Jordan come on in but then then you have Miles Gaskin who's actually been pretty good Ricky out of Washington um he's been pretty fantastic but I mean other than that I mean You're not going to rely on Gaskin to be like the guy that's going to get you 60, 100 yards every single game. He's going to have his games, but he's not going to be like that guy like Le'Veon Bell is. So I think that Miami is the place. The only issue is it's going to be like he went to the Jets. He knows he's going to have to be in the situation where he's probably not going to make playoffs this year. It's going to be a rebuild, and hopefully he's there when the team's in the glory, or it's going to be pretty much a rerun.
2: I think it'll all just come down to what his priorities are. Because, like, if if he wants to get paid, then you'll – You'll probably have to wait it out until mm-hmm. the end of the season and and like look at his options then. If he wants to be like the guy, Miami's the best fit. If he wants a ring, obviously Kansas City's the best fit. So I think it's just all going to come down to what his priorities are. If he wants to be playing, if he wants to be the main guy, or if he just wants a ring. So
0: yeah, if he wants a ring, hop on the Kansas I mean, City train. If anybody
1: wants a ring, hop on the Kansas City train. But I mean. You said you knocked on the nail on the head. I mean, if it's all going to come down to what his priorities are, especially if he wants money or if he wants to be the guy, then Miami's the spot, and I think that's where. Honestly, I honestly think that's probably where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think we'll we'll have to see what Le'Veon really wants if he wants to get paid or he wants to get a ring, and that'll really influence his decision. But Buffalo does have a game on Monday. It was originally supposed to be Thursday, I believe, but with the the whole. Situation with the Titans moving the game to Tuesday, and then they didn't want him to play Thursday. Per- perfectly respectable. But, sadly, no Thursday night football tonight. Sorry. But they will be playing Kansas City on Monday. Pretty tough matchup. It's going to be a good game. Um, I mean, right now with Buffalo playing the way they did on Tennessee, a lot of question marks. But I think Travis really put it the best on Friday that he said... Like Buffalo's a good team, but every good team's going to have bumps in the road. I think last that game was a bump in the road. I think they'll be I think they're going to be okay. I I still have them as the AFC East favorite over at New England. But I mean, Patrick is coming off of a loss too, so both teams are going to be looking for revenge, looking for hunger to get their their fifth win of the season, so it should be exciting.
2: I think the Bills will beat the Chiefs on Sunday. You do? Really? I do. Wow. Hot take. This That's... is why. Okay. okay, hot take. The Bills are going to adopt the exact same defensive scheme that the Raiders used. Okay. They are not going to blitz at all. Mhm. They're going to put seven man back in coverage and they're going to limit Patrick Mahomes' options and they're going to shut him down. If Josh Allen is healthy, the Bills will win the game.
0: That is he that is a very bold statement. I mean, it's a good it I mean literally like that's a really good point that like we've seen opposing players or opposing teams that have played Kansas City adopt what other teams have done because they have been slowed down. I mean, even looking back at the the Patriots game, they didn't play well. They still won, but they didn't play well. And then they lose to the Raiders. It. I mean, it's possible. Like we're not. They're not the Holy Grail, going to go sixteen and 0 type of team. They can be beat, and we saw. We've seen that. Uh, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, right now, I feel like Josh Allen is he is banged up. I feel like he'll be healthy, but I feel like it's going to come down to a situation where I think Patrick's going to really figure out. What happened last week, I think he's going to adjust. I think he is going to beat Buffalo. I don't think it's going to be a blowout at all. I'm not It, gonna, it might not be by the, a touchdown, like, yeah. maybe. No, I'm not calling the Travis by two-touchdown type. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I think that's going to be a close game. Might come down to a field goal. Probably going to come down to Josh versus Pat in the final minutes, and I feel like I'm going to take Pat just by a little bit, and I feel like he's going to win the game. But it's going to be a really exciting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing when both teams, because both of these teams are powerhouses in the AFC, so it's going to be a fun matchup.
1: I got to go with the Chiefs, too. I don't. I, I, I never really thought about your point that you brought up, but, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I feel like, in prime time, and crunch time, I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do. And I, like Brandon said, it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be really close, and it's going to be coming down to how these two quarterbacks are going to be able to command that offense when it comes down to when it really matters most. And I think the Chiefs are going to be able to edge it out, but, I mean, I wouldn't be too. I wouldn't be too mad if the if the Bills get. Away oh no! Here. If the
0: Bills win, I'll honestly be happy because that that'll just show that how good of a football team yeah. they are. Because we're, I think they're really being underappreciated right now. But, um, moving over to, um, it's. I guess it's time. Detroit, <sighs> Jacksonville. Yeah.
1: There's hope this week. There's
0: hope this week. They are the three point favorite. They are the three point favorite, and that scares me to absolute death that we're the favorite <laughs> because I swear we have the worst luck when we're the favorites, but. I'm going to go with the Lions. We're going to win this game. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to win this game. I mean, I'm not saying, like, we don't have a chance and we're going to somehow pull it just, like, out of nowhere and just beat them, but I don't have a, I don't have a logical reason that says we're going like, to, like you said, like the point you made, Johnny, I don't have, like, a specific point where I'm going to say they're going to do this and they're going to do this and they're going to win because, honestly, it's really a hit or miss. It's a gut feeling, really. Yeah, I mean, right now, like, I mean, last time the these teams actually played, I was actually at this game in 2016. Hey-o. I was in the suites. So I, I, yeah, I'm not flexing. All anything, right, but <laughs> show us your bank account uh, I guess kidding, I'm just kidding. This I'm not gonna lie. That game was pretty not ex- not exciting. It was 26 to 19, but there was not an offensive touchdown to the third quarter. I mean, the only touchdown was Andre Roberts took a kickback, which was the most exciting part of the entire first three quarters. <laughs> but I mean, Gardner Minshew's played. Pretty good this year. I'm not gonna say he's like the best in the NFL. I mean, he's been—he's not playing as good as like yeah when, he, uh, when the Minshew magic started to go. Yeah, around. he's not playing to that ass, but he's playing good enough. I mean, fantasy wise, he people are picking him up because he's yeah. being, he's playing solid. He's getting touchdowns. He's getting yards. He's doing what they need to. James Robinson has been a very very good addition to Jacksonville. He's really kind of been the the solution to losing Fournette. So that's been really nice for them. But I think with the week off, man, I hope we really kind of got together, had a kumbaya around a campfire.
1: I hope someone told Matt Patricia to get his stuff together and like figure out what he's got to do. I mean, he, he needs does. to
0: win or he's not going to have a job by the end of no. the season if he doesn't win, especially against this Jacksonville team. 1-4, and four, they've struggled. I mean, this is the game where the Lions should win this game, but realistically it's... can we it's, hold it's on a, to it? Really,
1: it's really just a
2: toss-up. Mm-hmm. I think this game is definitely the deciding factor for if Matt Patricia stays in detroit mm-hmm. for next week yeah um i think if they go down to jacksonville i think he's out but um i like jacksonville in this matchup obviously because it is the lions and <laughs> they will lose they will ultimately disappoint us we every have, time we <laughs> have
0: no argument for that no, every really time We're yeah, you're gonna lose because you're just detroit i don't have any comeback for that because <laughs> that's what we've it's, done it's
2: so it's, frustrating. Well, it's just proved itself over and over again yeah. i mean over they always get our hopes up like i remember even week one I was out golfing, and I was watching the uh, Lions and Bears. I was just checking the score in between holes and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, we're up three touchdowns heading into the fourth. We got this wrapped up. Beat the Bears. Mm, and nope. then I checked it like two holes later, and I was like, we lost? How did we
0: lose? Yes. What
1: happened? In the span of two golf holes, we just, <laughs> just blew the entire game. On- to honest- Mitch Trubisky, too. Yeah, To
0: Mitch Trubisky.
1: To literally the worst quarterback in We've already talked about that. It's just uh, that's a whole different yeah. conversation. But, it, I mean, this works. week I feel like if Adrian Peterson can kind of keep it up what he's doing, I feel like he'll be able to do pretty well. He's been able to kind of solidify himself in the RB1 spot, especially kind of – I mean, people thought he was too old to really do anything, but he's mm-hmm. kind of proved them wrong. Oh, yeah,
0: he's found the fountain of youth in yeah. Detroit. I think he's really he's really picked it up. I mean, overall, the Jaguars have allowed 30 points in four of their five games this year. So, their defense, not great. Losing Ramsey, losing Bouye, really kind of – put them on the struggle bus right now, CJ Henderson's like their guy and he's still a rookie. So it's going to be a struggle, but um, I'm really hoping that we see the lions come out on top in this one. I do think if they do lose, that it's going to be a huge factor on Patricia's record and that it's going to pretty much start the downfall of his, his um, stint in Detroit. Is so. it
2: sad that I'm rooting for the Jaguars just so Matt Patricia
0: can be? I was, out gonna, as the coach. I was,
1: I was thinking that. I was just like, you know, it's, I'm torn because I want the Lions to win, but I don't <sighs> want Patricia here anymore. So what do I really want?
0: Yeah, and and, eh, nah, I don't know. I don't. It's, <laughs> I'm rooting for Detroit regardless. But if they lose and he get he gets fired. That'd it's a win-win, it's, really. It's a I win-win. Mean, yeah, you could say it's a win-win. <laughs> we get
2: one, one step closer to a better draft pick, and yep. we get to have a new head
0: coach. Yay! Yeah. We'll, but we'll just have to see if Detroit will be their usual self or we will actually win the football game. It'll be a pretty exciting. But a much more, I guess you could say, fan-favorited matchup, not being a Alliance fan, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers will face off on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Pittsburgh. This one's going to be really good i'm really excited to see this game because pittsburgh last week chase claypool just decided yeah i'm just gonna have a day have a three two. oh my gosh like i mean i've never seen so many people like scrambling on the waiver wire trying to spam it and get him early (laughs) because i mean the dude had like three or four touchdowns i mean absolutely phenomenal i mean the former notre dame prospect is really showing that he i mean pittsburgh You look back, they've had some really good luck with receivers. I mean, Antonio Brown, before the whole chaos happened, was was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. We can agree on that. I mean, they've had guys like Antonio Holmes, Hines Ward. They've always had good luck at the receiver position. I feel like that's a really um, a stamp of approval for the, the war room. They've done a really good job at drafting their guys to target for Ben Roethlisberger. But, I mean, the Browns... Um um I mean I've had my speculation with the Browns but right now they're playing some pretty I mean, good football and, after four beating and the Colts one, not terrible. Yeah, after beating the Colts they're looking pretty solid. I think they're often, I think Kevin Stefanski is a much better offensive mind to fit them all together compared to um Freddie Kitchens. I even forgot his name it's been that yeah. long. But I mean I think Kevin Stefanski's really known how to vitalize his offense, use the weapons he has and really has made them into a top-tier offense so far.
2: I, I've enjoyed seeing Odell become like the receiver we all know he is. Like when he was with the Giants, I mean he was the guy. He was yeah. the best receiver probably in the NFL. And um when he got traded to the Browns, we were like, Oh man, this is gonna be a great fit. And then last year he really struggled um to get back into that top tier, like, um, receiving role. But so far this year I think he's finally figured it out and I think it is part of the um or off- er, the offensive coordinator's decisions of having Baker target him more. Um so I, I mean I like the Browns in this matchup. I think they can keep it rolling. It'll be exciting to see though with all the chemistry between the Browns and Steelers that they've had the past couple of years. Oh Miles
0: yeah. Garrett and, Oh yeah. Let's we'll so. see if any helmets get thrown one. this week.
1: Yeah. I don't know if ben, Big Ben will let anyone hit him on the head with a helmet, but just bounce off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will just stop
1: like like a foot away
0: from his head. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I'm really excited for this matchup. I I'm honestly, I'm looking at the Browns at possibly winning this game, but I mean I I do. That
1: Steelers defense is just it's it's really good. It throws a wrench in there, really.
0: Yeah, it I, it's really gonna be a toss up. I could just I could just be safe and say it's gonna be a tie and everyone's gonna be wild. But <laughs> I mean, oh, it's so tough right now. I mean, we Mike Tomlin's done such a great job, especially with the defense. It's been. It's a really interesting situation because obviously we know that there's going to be wrenches thrown. I mean, not literally. I mean, I'm sure it might happen literally. I don't know. I don't know where they'd have wrenches, but things do get thrown in when these two teams play each other. So, obviously, like, we're probably going to—it's it's just the fact. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, we're probably going to see ejections. It's probably going to happen. These two teams have bad blood. We've seen it before. So, and I mean, I believe, yeah, this is the first time that— um, I mean, last year they met up and the Steelers won by a touchdown. I feel like that has the same kind of narrative this week, but I don't know. I've bet against the Browns too many times and they've upset me, so I'm gonna go with the Browns this week to beat the Steelers just because of the fact that I've been wrong about them the last two weeks. I'm gonna go with them. Then they'll probably lose, and then the Steelers win, and then I'll be somewhat happy. So <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll go I'll go for the win-win. I'm gonna go for the, win, win, for solidify the win-win, solidify my win-win scenario.
1: I mean, it's gonna come down if the Steelers can shut down. Uh, the, Hunt. Yeah, the yep. Kareem Hunt. It's like, I mean, right now, on paper, Steelers' number one defense, but the Browns have the number one rushing in all of the NFL. And if mm-hmm. they can shut that down and kind of force Baker to make a lot more throws, because, I mean, we've seen it when he's thrown 40-plus throws. He's not very consistent. If they're able to kind of push him to make all those throws and kind of tire him out and get his arm moving a lot, I feel like they're going to be able to shut him down. But, I mean... They're still a number ranked 11th in the whole NFL for the offense. So I honestly, it's going to be close. I think the Steelers are going to be all have it just with how good their uh, defense is, and if and I think Big Ben's going to be able to control the game, especially with that veteran mindset. It's going to be close, but I think I got to go with the Steelers.
0: All right, well, sorry about that text message. I'm getting text from Schefter as we speak. No, I'm just um, Cam, get him on the line. Cam Newton is back at practice for okay. you guys, just so you're aware. If you have the Patriots A-O. QB on your fantasy team, which we can now transition to. Um, he's practicing this week, and he's looking good for Sunday. So we'll be excited. I know I have him, I believe, on my bench in our league together. So um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what needs to be done because I'll be the first to admit with my team, my quarterback, Matt Ryan, I, I would like to have some words with him. I, he's really struggled right now the last three weeks. I mean, he started off so solid. I mean, they put up how many yards against the Seahawks and how many yards against them forgot who they play week two as Packers but I mean they've just been oh they he's not gotten in the end zone it's frustrating me as a fantasy owner and I'm gonna admit that was probably the reason that Johnny edged me this week my quarterback did not play good enough I think uh, in in your case
2: Matt Ryan is not the guy to go with for the rest of the year I think though since you have Cam I think Cam's gonna be either a solid solid option or big guy I'm ready for is Andy Dalton Mm -hmm. especially with the weapons he has in Dallas um, now that he has the position because I mean when he was in Cincinnati he just didn't have the weapons that he does now Mm -hmm. especially the offensive line that he has now he has time to sit in the pocket and just chuck the ball to CeeDee Lamb for touchdowns all day long so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really excited to see Andy Dalton step into this Dallas role now that Dak's out unfortunately but um, I think he's going to definitely live up to it and I think the Cowboys are probably going to make the playoffs still.
1: I mean, when he got moved to to Dallas and he was in that uh that's that, I mean that's a perfect spot for him with backup cuz he has the experience to lead a team when he needs to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like I mean, we saw in, in yep. Cincinnati he wasn't the I mean, he was a great quarterback, but he wasn't the greatest kind of leader and I think he's going to really fit in like you said with this Cowboys uh offensive line it's going to be a whole different ball game compared to the Bengals I mean when you really look at it, I mean Joe is trying to throw 60 times and he's getting <laughs> pressured almost every he's getting time crushed. It's, it's gonna be he's Andy Dalton's gonna drop back in the pocket and he's gonna be like wow like this is just like free real estate back here like I don't even like I've never had this before so I feel like now that he's gonna have more time I feel like he's gonna really produce and do well but I mean I'm just ready for Dak to be back already.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for Danny Dalton. I believe I actually put in a waiver claim for him, but I think somebody snatched him ahead of me in the waiver order. So I think I actually got Fitz instead, who was my backup. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not thinking that as a long-term solution. Cause I think two of will probably play by the end of the season. If they're not in playoff contention, at least maybe the last two games, but with the way he's playing right now, I'm excited for him to keep that rolling. So, cause I do agree Matt Ryan is not the answer right now. I'm really th- hoping cam comes back this week and can does, does cam type things. But yeah, I mean, looking at the, the box score, I mean, both of us actually had struggling tight ends. Zach Ertz and Dalton Schultz both put up really low numbers, but I mean, when you look at the others, I mean, you had Adam Thielen who had a fantastic day, DeAndre Hopkins, those two, and Stephon Diggs. Those three receivers right there, they, they can win you some games, and I'm really kind of jealous. I mean, I have Tyreek and Robert Woods, but they're not that-esque. So. When we were
2: drafting, I was so shocked I was able to get all three of those I guys. I know.
0: I'm wondering, how did you pull that off? It was pretty impressive. Yeah. But I, I actually loaded up in the running back department, because I knew how kind of bare that was. I mean, I got Kamara, James Conner, and Joe Mixon, who I was really happy with. So, I kind of, I think I gambled for the running back, but the way Joe Mixon has played, though Gamble's not turning out that well so far, but I mean it's still you're five and zero. We're four and one. We're the top, one of the two of the three top teams in the league right now. So I'm not worried about it. But um, um it's definitely a high scoring game as not was Hunter and um Brendan's game, eighty one to sixty six. Yikes, that's some that's some rough scores right there. But um, um, Brendan did pull out the W. Uh, Travis got his first win. Came back against Sean. I don't know how because I'm pretty sure he was down like, like 35 points going into the Tuesday night game or whatever, but, or not, it was like 24. He needed like 20 points from AJ Brown, which he got 21.2. So he pulled off the three point comeback win. So shout out to Travis for getting his first win. And, um, Kyle doing Kyle things. He scored 148. He put himself in the position. He's four and one now. Um, Molly Robert, I mean, I feel bad for Molly. She's just really on the struggle bus right now. I mean, a lot of her players are injured, not having big roles. I mean, Tom Brady's been kind of shaky this year. Gronk's not had a very solidified role. So we hope everything for the best. As she had Rodgers on bye week this week, so maybe she could turn it around. But um, Ryan Simmons, former guest on our show, he had another win. Um, he's now 4-1. The Saquads without Saquon. Actually, no. He did claim Saquon and put him on his IR just <laughs> so it solidified his team name. I think that was great, and I think he's happy about that. But in the last matchup of the week, sorry, Joe. It I'm was, sorry.
1: It was tough. Yeah. It's a tough day for a, me. A
0: 120-93 to 93 loss for Joe. And Barrett,
1: Barrett just goes hard. That's what I'm just going to say. he, he he looks at this way more than me.
0: Yeah, I think he, he pulled out the right moves that was needed. He he played the gutsy call and played Justin Herbert and he made a pretty good call on that scoring twenty twenty yeah. seven. <laughs> 27 That was a really good call. Uh, he actually did sit Daryl Henderson, which is kind of questionable, I mean, turning out. But, I mean, looking at the running backs he had in his lineup, I would have done the same thing. So, I mean... You you just need some more production. You need to get Zach Moss and Julio Healthy ASAP.
1: Yeah, I know. You're telling me it's it kind of <laughs> sucks, but I mean, I've made I made some moves early this morning in a little bit, but I mean, how do I beat a guy who's got Rodrigo Blankenship on his team?
2: <laughs> I actually I actually sent him a trade. Straight up, Matt Prater for Blankenship. Oh,
1: it's snap. That's honestly a good you trade. You heard it here Blankenship first. Blankenship is probably going to be the best kicker the, of all time. The
0: insiders have spoken. We have a kicker trade in I'm podcast. just waiting
1: until Blankenship gets an interview and he keeps his helmet on. Oh. How about the Colts with kickers, though? Oh I word. mean, Vinatary and
2: then even having McAfee as their punter for a while. That was, I mean, they are just...
0: They know how to pick the right guys They're in the kicking spot. Perfect for
2: picking guys who can kick the football.
0: Yeah, if you need so whatever what you need to do to build your best team is you need to get the you need to get the Steelers receiving um scouts, you need to get the Indianapolis kicking scouts. You need the you need the Green Bay quarterback scouts. You the need, opposite of uh, the Lions. <laughs> <coaches>. <laughs> don't sign anyone who's any with the Lions. <laughs> well, if you want them, actually, you sh- what you should do is if you don't want a player, we're going to trade them anyway, so just draft the players you don't want, and then we'll trade them and get different <laughs> ones instead. No, I'm just kidding. I hope we have a good draft this year. Not going to lie. But it's going to get
2: a pretty good position. The way the season's going
0: now. Tank for Lawrence. Tank for Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> that has been started. But, I mean, there's rumor that Jacksonville wants to tank for him, and they already have Gardner.
2: So it's the no. battle of the tanks this week. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> I gonna don't know. He's going to lose?
0: <laughs> if someone drops Both like I was like, throw the game.
1: Wide open pass, then we'll what see we, who's going to win.
0: We will learn this week who is the better tanker. <laughs> we will find out. But it should be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that my team. I feel like I can get some pretty good um, points this week. I mean, I do have the heart and soul of my team, Alvin Kamara. He, it's the inevitable. He has a bye this week, so tough. But I mean, I do have, I do have James Conner, Joe Mixon. I did pick, I do have Miles Gaskin on my bench. Who we talked about. He had 20 points last week, so I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking upside with him, but um. I'm really hoping Cam comes back because I don't want to play Matt Ryan again. I just don't want to do it.
2: Well, you might not have to if the Falcons shut down. That is
0: true. That is a good point. And we just were breaking news that the Falcons facility has been shut down due to not one, but multiple. I don't know what multiple is, but more than one case. It could be two. It could be 20 cases in Atlanta. So they have shut down today. So we'll see how that goes. I know the Jets had some problems. Um, last week they shut down, I believe it was, on Friday. So, And they'd end up still playing. So, I mean, the tech, the Titans have had it too. It'll be interesting to see how this season ends because I feel like personally we're really kind of starting to hit that point where we're looking towards the end of the season. It's like, yeah, how far can we go until it's going to be like, yeah, we're, everyone's infected and we're not getting guys on the field and we might have to end the season early.
2: I hope it can keep going. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I hope, certainly I hope it can hope go. I for at least – healthy guys, mm-hmm. especially with this COVID stuff that's going around. I mean, I just hope that everyone's okay and we can keep playing football because it's been exciting to watch, to watch the NFL do so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've only had to move around a couple games and uh, especially with the amount of people that they have going into each game with coaches and field personnel. I mean, even just for practices, you probably have like 200 people there on site. Um, so it's been nice to see the NFL be successful in their protocols and being able to keep guys on the field keep teams in the facilities. Um, so, I mean, I hope that everything's all right with Atlanta and we can keep playing.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think really, like, when people say, like, all oh, the NFL is, like, doing so much worse than the NBA with coronavirus and stuff like that. I mean, they're still traveling all over the place. I mean, for them not having, having like, as little virus cases as they have, you really got to applaud them, especially mm-hmm. just for how much moving around they're doing, how many loose ends there could be. I mean, because in the airport or when you're going to the plane – you could run into people who have had contact with that. I mean, there's people who are handling baggage that could have had contact with that. And I mean for them to have as little as they have been and have as much success as they have been having this year, you just gotta applaud them. Yeah.
0: I feel like that without having a without really having a true bubble. I think like especially you look back at the M O B at the start of it with the whole Marlin situation and then all of them had more infections and you were just like, oh boy, we're really in trouble. But now they kind of they went into the bubble system for the postseason. It's worked out really well. So it's really interesting to see how far the NFL is going to go until like they might enforce stricter rules or whatever it may be. I don't, I don't, I can't really see if they're going to have a bubble like format. I could imagine they're going to they could like restrict themselves in a region maybe. Like for example, if they went up to like the midwest then they'd have like they'd play in green bay they'd play in chicago they'd play in detroit they'd play in indianapolis like that sort of a thing but i don't see how like you could truly make a bubble out of the nfl but i think they're doing the best they can i mean like football has so many people that go into it i mean you got people in operations you got people that are working like you like you have people that you, you don't necessarily have to worry about in like other sports like you have to worry about a lot of the equipment people like you have so many equipment people in football it's just absolutely insane you got people that are working on helmets you got jersey people you got all these different people and i mean got doctors you got all these people on site that they're it's going to happen if somebody get gets it that's probably going to be multiple cuz there's so much interaction in football i mean you're lining up from somebody every single snap so it's really a situation where we hope it gets better but um Now, as we finish out the show, I know we missed Joe's fact of the day on Monday, a more sad face, but we will get back to it on Monday. But today is my question of the day.
1: Yes, sir. So,
0: my question is, should we have instant replay in sports?
1: Yes. 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 I think
2: instant replay has been like the best thing that's been added to sports in the mm-hmm. past five years or so, even with, um, like major league baseball. I mean, we see so many plays at first base, bang, bang plays that the umpires get wrong and they're able to overturn. Now that we have instant replay, mm-hmm. I wish they would further expand it to maybe even like a strike zone, mm-hmm. especially in playoff situations. Cause I was watching, it was the giants last season of the game or last game of the season. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And they're playing the Padres and, um, there was a ball that the umpire called strike 3 and it was like it was above the dude's letters on his jersey and it, it was a full count so it would have been ball 4 you would have been on base and they would have had a chance to score him to win the game and go to the playoffs cuz that would mean that was playoff implications for yep. the giants so um situations like that I, I i hope major league baseball can especially expand on it and adapt a lot more um instant replay for plays i mean check swings um strike zone stuff i think it's just been a really good addition to sports Mm -hmm. they just need to speed
0: up the process yeah i would i would agree with that i think the one thing that i would say instant replay is a beneficial thing but i think that too much is hurting the game itself because i mean when you look at for example when they implemented the the pass interference um review that you could have an instant replay you could throw a challenge flag on a pi that to me like that slows the game out way too much. You can't like. There's things you should be able to review. There should be things that, like it's it's hard because you want to you want to replay everything. We we want everything to be right. We don't want a team to lose over a bad call or a, a missed penalty or missed penalty, missed flags, whatever it is. Any sport you hate to see a team lose by an element that they can't control. That's just that just hurts. But there's a situation to me like when you even look at like the the PIs even looking at a lot of this stuff where you're now starting to literally slow the game down to the point where there's guys literally that are playing like one snap and then they have to wait five minutes to play the next snap. And to me that that's just ru- like, it wouldn't say it's like ruining the game, but it's making it so much worse for them. And it's making it so much worse for the fans because then we have to sit through so many commercials over something that like, cause I mean PI is like, it's pretty obvious if you have PI, like that's not really, it's not a bang bang play at first base. It's, it's something that you see and it's like, if you like, if you see someone grabbing a jersey, it's obvious that that's a PI. But when you have to relook at it and make sure that it is a PI, it's just like to me that's that's too like it's it's way overcompensating for the situation. Like if you saw it, you saw it. You didn't, you didn't. I think we should just have it and then move on rather than instant replay. Spend three, five minutes. Like oh yeah, that might. And I mean, how many of them were overturned last year? It was like less than seven percent were overturned in all of the challenge flags thrown in PIs. And to me, that's like that to me it's like the the referees they're paid to do their job they know how to do their job when we we have to, like they're in there for a reason they're professionals and i think we should respect them for it in the pi department now like the strike zone i know is a much different situation because obviously um it's it's a lot more there's a lot more variance i feel like cuz i mean obviously you have the strike zone made by my major league baseball they have the rule what the strike zone is but we know for baseball every umpire has a little bit of differences. Some people like outside corners more than others. Some people have letters or shins. Or I think sometimes people do like shins as a strike. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. But I know there's a pentaxim an electronic strike zone possibility. Is that like maybe even implementing like a a fox tracks for the umpire?
1: Well, they have done like uh, for some games, like they when there's like a close pitch that's like on the corner, they show like they do the thing where it's like the bot like the actual like strike zone and they show like where it hit Yep. and like those ones that it's like just hitting the corner that like they call balls like people will be like oh like they should have called their strike but at that point like for the umpires like if you make a bad call people under, now see why it's a bad call mm-hmm. also we can all agree angel hernandez shouldn't be an umpire oh in, the, in the mlb yeah, oh no, my gosh no. he's so bad he no. is i could call better games <laughs> okay but like okay joe <laughs> it's for those reasons that i feel like we should have like instant replay on strike zones because there's like so many blatant or just overturn strike calls and stuff like that because mm-hmm. there's so many blatant times where i mean Angel Hernandez, for for example, there's times where the he, the catcher's glove doesn't even move, and he calls it a ball, and that moves the count to like three and zero, or that moves the count to a walk, and I'm like, how are you even like in the game? How are you even? How do you even umpire the playoffs when you have this bad of a of a reputation? It's just I do understand why people would want that, because mm-hmm. I mean, the strike zone I understand because overturning some really bad calls, but. I yeah. mean, for some stuff, I do think it's a little bit overused. I
2: know they have been looking into implementing some stuff in minor leagues mm-hmm. yeah. and trying some stuff out. Like, I I heard of one where they put an earpiece yeah. yep. in the home plate umpire's ear, and then they have the electronic zone. If it hits the zone, the earpiece goes off and like, rings or something like that, or says yep. like strike. And so he calls the strike then. Mm-hmm. So basically, it is an electronic strike zone, like doing the calls. But the umpire still can do whatever he wants. He still has and the he human is the one that, Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's the one that makes the final call. So even if it does say strike and he's just, a uh, ball, yeah. I mean, it's still a ball. So yeah, they can try and implement as much stuff as possible. And I, I hope that in the next few years that there will be some new adjustments made that help the strike zone get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, like, in, in soccer overseas in the Premier League, they've intermittent VAR, like, the replay system, and yeah. that's, that's caused a that lot. That was...
1: Honestly, for people who think that's not a good thing, you just got to look. I think it was like, I forget the game. I think it was Britain that had a goal go, I think, like clearly over the line. It hit the crossbar and went about like mm-hmm. three feet in, then bounced, then like with a backspin, it bounced out. Yeah, yeah. And they called it no goal and they mm-hmm. couldn't overturn it because they didn't have replay or VAR, but that like lost them their shot to go to the World Cup final. And like that's kind of the reason that VAR was implemented. Yeah. And I, honestly, I feel like that's a that's I think,
0: a huge. I thing. think VAR is a, a beneficial system. I think it's a really it's a, it's kind of a spotty system. Obviously, because I mean, it's really you're going to make the call that it's a goal or it's not. And I think the the hardest thing is is judging what's a goal and what's not because it's not like it's like football. It's like you break the plane, like the football is over the line, you're in. Where in reality, some people it's like. Oh yeah, if it's if it's on the long, if it hits the line, yeah, it's in. Or no, it's got to be all the way over the line. Or no, it's got to just touch it. It's like we need to. They need to really figure out what really is because I think that's what's messing up VAR a little bit because that VAR judgment is different than a lot of people have been used to. So I think it's definitely beneficial, but I think for how hit or miss it is right now, I think people. That's why people are a little bit frustrated with it. So. We'll, we're, I hope that. I think that's a beneficial thing. That'll just take time for people to get used to. But it's definitely making like. It's. It's hard, for really, being a sports fan to see a team go down because of something they can't control. Because I mean, these guys are playing their hearts out. They're. They're professionals for a reason. They're giving us everything they have, and having them lose on to something from outside is really tough. We so. should
2: know that firsthand after Galarraga's perfect game. Oh, oh, oh my, my
0: gosh! Don't bring that yeah. up. Oh man. That's the
2: whole reason instant replay was the idea mm-hmm. It was to save situations like that i mean I that feel, was just mm-hmm. so packed. i feel like
1: this podcast is just why it sucks to be a detroit fan <laughs> <laughs> it really is though
0: really is we should change the name just the why it like, sucks the, to be a the detroit motown fan. moping show that's what it's gonna <laughs> it be called. Be. no but i'm dude that was i've never that, been so that frustrated. broke my heart dude yeah. who was
1: it? Jim Joyce, Jim it? Joyce it was Jim Joyce. Yeah. Jim
0: Joyce. Yeah, it's like, yeah, give him a car, not the the record that's almost unbreakable in Major League Baseball. I'm seriously, gee like, man, it was it's so rough. I mean, I'm banging the table. How frustrated I am right now about that. <laughs> but I mean, every time I see Jim Joyce, I'm just like, mm. you're, you you're, the you're the you're reason. You're the reason I don't want to be <laughs> you. You are the sole reason we have history in baseball uh, in in any sport. In any sport, Jim Joyce. Can you can thank. Um, you can thank him for any other bad call not being as bad as that just because <laughs> then there's at least some grace. But that is going to be our show today. Um, Joe, as always, you have a good time. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks You're a fantastic guest. But if you want to be a guest on the show, you know what to do. Follow us on the MBSP at Twitter. Send us a message, and we can get you on the show. I know you guys enjoyed the interviews. We're going to keep those rolling. We're going to get some more more guests in here um stay tuned uh, friday where we're going to be possibly on mics and takes debating on you know our our college lives we'll see how that goes yeah. but i mean i know i got some it's about midterm time for college students i think we know that so you know, a lot of things are picking up so hopefully we'll get in there but joe as always rome wasn't built in one day oh, detroit word. will be there eventually <laughs> i had to say it and it was a good day
1: it really was take care everybody all right